You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Well, thank you, Mr. Ross. It's Mike Ross, PA announcer at Scotiabank Arena with our fine intro to Leaf Sky. This is episode 26. Jim Taddy with you, and I have to warn you right away. We've got two great conversations lined up for you. Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun going over the Leafs game against Montreal this week and trade deadline possibilities. Remember, at 3 Eastern on Monday, the trade deadline happens for the NHL. And then we have Gord Wilson from TSN 1200, the Sens broadcast crew. He's the analyst for the Sens radio broadcast. He will be by to set up the Saturday game against the Ottawa Senators. And he's got an interesting story about his own personal battle with COVID. I think you'll enjoy hearing how he got through a tense situation a year ago. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using the code TBPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy sports and basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, see how your team stacks up against the competition. You can feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk steal is means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on the season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. In fact, let's roll in the call to action. Download the DraftKings app now. Use the code TBPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code TBPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. I think you get the equation. New free shot at millions of dollars. There's a minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. Okay, let's get into the hockey story. Just one sample size this week. 3-2, the Leafs win over the Montreal Canadiens. The Leafs score first. Austin Matthews at 54 seconds. Shortly later, a reply from Corey Perry. A second period that was tilted in the Montreal direction, but they didn't get a goal. And then the Leafs provide two goals in the third period to blow it open, so to speak. And these goals are interesting to talk about. The Brody goal is the result of right spot at the right time, but that's not really the whole thing. That's the end of the equation. What creates it is fine play and pressure in the Montreal zone. Uh, and there's an inadvertent escape pass by a Montreal player, Mete, to Brody, and he cans it. But the bottom line is right spot at the right time, good pressure, good things happen when you go to the net, right? The second goal by Hyman is the result of a great setup by Austin Matthews. Nice rush from his own zone. And that's inspirational for a couple of reasons. Zach Hyman now has 13 goals and is in a contract year. Can you hear the cash register? And then there's Austin Matthews, that great play. So Austin Matthews had a goal and an assist in this game. And the least best player truly is their best player lately. He's come back to form after battling a wrist injury in a couple of games, several games actually, where he didn't look that good and was favoring the wrist and just didn't look sharp. But now he's all the way back. And that's great news. There's no question about that. And of course, the headliner, Soupy, Jack Campbell, super with the win 
32 saves and 34 shots, 10 straight. The man is Mr. Unbeatable. Let's start our conversations now. Here is Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. Okay, Terry, just before we go back over the Leafs record, uh, with the trade deadline literally days away, you know, there's this Zach Hyman situation. I mean, he has to be re-signed. There's no question about that. And I guess the, the obligatory question is, do they create the space for him now or do they wait until the summer? What are your thoughts? Well, I think you could kind of chip away at it now, but it's, it might have to come over the summer, Jim, before, you know, uh, free agency opens. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that works for them. But, uh, you know, there's not a ton of it right now. They're roughly 66, 67. You know, we're thinking the salary cap is going to remain quite close to 81.5. He's looking at at least five a year. Um, and, he's you know, it would be different if he was the only free agent they had to resign. But, there's five or six in that group. And a lot of these guys who are on the one-year contracts, uh, you know, doing well for them, Spets, uh, uh, Simmons, uh, Bogosian, um, if you don't sign them, you're going to have to replace them in the lineup somehow. And maybe it is a, if it is a promotion of guys like Nick Robertson and Rasmus Sandin to full-time roles next year. But, um, you know, I don't know. I, I think that space thing for Kyle Dubas and Hyman probably comes a little bit later on. I don't know. I don't know. Put it this way, I don't think that that's their top priority in the next three days, three or four days before the deadline. But it's but it could happen. I mean, if, if they moved the salary out and, and brought in an expiring contract, yeah, that could take care of it. Yeah, if you're moving out a guy. But again, who are, who are we talking about here? I mean, if you're moving on a, a guy like Alex Kerfoot, that gets you a little bit over halfway to what you might need to pay uh, Zach Hyman, right? So yeah. it's... I, I don't know. I, I think in a perfect world, the Leafs would probably like to add, add to their forward group and not have to move a ton out, even though it appears they're going to have to move something out here. I mean, yeah, it's great that, you know, Kyle Dewis could say to us a few weeks ago that a, a, everything's on the table, including a top prospect. But, you know, you're moving a top prospect right now. That's not moving cash out. And we'll see. There, there's, the, there's the idea that, you know, they've, the Blackhawks have talked to them about helping them with the cap space and all that sort of thing. So um, we'll have to see how it all works out. But uh, no matter what, there's going to be some, have to be some Mitch Marner-like maneuvering on the part of Kyle Dubas and his staff the next three days to make something work here, I think. Yeah, and just, you know, again, there's a couple of missing pieces here. Obviously, nobody knows what the team's going to achieve this year, and that's a big factor in this. And the other one is is that most people, when they talk about Zach Hyman, talk about him being um, hometown friendly to the Leafs, and I don't know where we are on that and, and if that's even a, a possibility. You don't know what the market is, really, do you? You don't, but here's the thing with Hyman. Say, you know, hypothetically, the Leafs are coming in at five years, or sorry, five a year for four years. If he's offered six a year for five years, is that enough by somebody else? Is that enough of an incentive to have him leave? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't think so, but I don't know right now. I mean, that's not something we broached with Hyman. And, you know, it's not something that uh, the two sides have really approached. From what I understand, they haven't talked money at all. Um, and the talks that they had, they did have before the season were, were fairly uh, – or, you know, surface level only. But I, I think anybody, having said that, I think anyone thinking that he's going to take a hometown discount, quote-unquote, is fooling themselves. I don't see that happening. But then no, again, I would agree with that. Say, well, what's a hometown discount, Jim? Is it, like I say, is it a million? Like like five a year for, for Zach Hyman, to me, is not a hometown discount. I think that's a good contract for him, you know. Um, but is it is it is it taking a million off if you don't go somewhere else for six? I don't know. It's hard to say. 
bottom line is they've got to find a way to keep them. I mean, going into the season, the two big names that he said free agent wise were Hyman and Freddie Anderson. Anderson, let him go. Let him go. Yeah. You know, yeah. if we've seen what Jack Campbell can do. Um, Freddie Anderson, you know, I, my thoughts not be different if he had been lights out before he got hurt. We know that he wasn't. Get another good goalie in here for next year. You're only paying Campbell 1.6. You don't have to spend that money on a starting goalie next year. I think Freddie's time is going to be an end in Toronto. Yeah, that's a, and that's sort of the breaking story is with, with the injury problem. Um, that story is, is you know, has, has gone in another direction. I think before that, everybody would have said sign him, although I would have been uh, of the opinion that let's see what he does because, you know, bottom line is if you're going to make a commitment to a goalie, he has to know, or you have to know that he's the guy who's going to lead you. And so far, that hasn't happened. Well, what if you make the commitment to him and he, the, the Campbell's a slicker guy in October of uh, the fall or for your, for, your, for your first game and going forward? Why would yeah. you pay Freddie Anderson, you know, more than the five he's making right now to be a backup goalie? It makes absolute zero sense. And then you, now if you do sign him, looking at it and saying, okay, well, you, we still think you're going to be our number one, and, and that puts Campbell back on the back seat. Well, all I know is that Campbell's won 10 in a row at less than 100%, okay? If he was a hundred percent right now, I mean, obviously you can't be better than than ten wins and ten in your in ten games. But um, you know, I, I just think it leads to him becoming the guy for them if he's not already, and uh, you don't need to spend that money on Fred Anderson. Well, and maybe that's where part of the Hyman money comes from, right? They just they they sure. decide they're going to spend less on goalies next year, so that that's that could be a quarter of it or a third of it right there. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Um, but again, it, it's all. I'm, I'm interested, you know, to see how it all breaks down. But that that could be part of it as well. Again, though, you're going to have to get another guy in here in net. I mean, uh, you know, Hutchinson, uh, another year left on his contract as well. But you can't go into next year with Campbell and Hutchinson as your one two. You need somebody. Yeah. Okay, so the other uh, developing story is the Nylander situation. What can you add to that? Where where are we with that? Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, today, uh, what's said about that, it, it seemed, uh, you know, he stayed on the COVID list yesterday, um, which I think was more or less a rubber stamp. I think the good thing was, even though it was a day off for the Leafs, you know, they do get tested every day. They go in and get tested, but, you know, that, that's all they were doing. The positive sign, obviously, is that no one else was added to that list, Jim, the COVID list by 5 p.m. on Thursday. So, that's a positive going forward. Um, the feeling coming out of the organization on, on Wednesday was this was all super precautionary on the part of, of having him out of the game on Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, we'll have a better indication, of course, as practice unfolds on Friday here and uh, and go from there. But, um, you know, Keith, uh, Sheldon Keith stressed to us after the game Wednesday that, that Nylander did not break any um, – uh, COVID protocols. And I, I think that, you know, given what happened in Vancouver and, and I'm not suggesting anyone there, anyone out there did, but we can see whether you did or not, you can see how quickly this, this spreads. And I know they're different dealing with a different variant out in BC uh, with the Canucks, but um, you know, being hyper careful is uh, you know, the, the way they have been and the way they're going to keep going. And, you know, obviously we're going to watch an Elander uh, situation here with um with a keen eye uh, and you keep your fingers crossed and no one else has added to that list. But, you know, it's interesting. Eh? They have this, uh, they have this uh, development Wednesday and uh, you know, he's a key player for them and it really doesn't ruffle their feathers and they go out and win. Even though I think the players had a good, a good heads up that this was coming uh, during the day, but that can be unsettling in a dressing room. So, you know, you're looking around going, okay, well, how, how might this impact the rest of us? 
uh, both mentally and, and literally physically. And, uh, you know, the Leafs got through that day. So we'll have to see where it goes from here. Well, and, and just as a side note, I mean, I think this is this is where we are uh, with, uh, you know, with the, the pandemic is that uh, there's a pretty good chance that uh, because of the way this the variant is spreading around that you may know of somebody who knew somebody who was exposed to somebody. I mean, it, it, the, the circle is a lot is a lot tighter than it was the last time or the first time around with this. Yeah, there six degrees. It's closing in on, on us, I think, isn't it? I mean, I guess yeah. it's, it's, that's the way I even find it personally, too. I mean, yep. you know. I know the odd person who's, who's been, uh, you know, diagnosed with it, unfortunately. And, you, you know, a year ago, you probably couldn't say that. I mean, right. certainly 10 months ago, you couldn't or whatever. But, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, the, again, just they're doing all they can. But I guess the uh, the asterisk in all this is you can do all you can and it's still going to impact you to a degree. Because even the Leafs, we found out, Jim, before all this happened, before this happened with Nylander, I mean, their schedule gets impacted at the end of the season because of what's happened uh, in Vancouver for the most part. And I guess Montreal right. as well. So yep. the uh, tentacles go everywhere. And like you say, the six, de- like it's not a six degrees of separation anymore. No, no, it's a much smaller circle. No question about that. Uh, so let's get back to the Leafs. They're the last win three, two over Montreal. And this was another Maple Leaf performance for me that, you know, where it was at times it wasn't what they wanted, but they, I, I think if you go back over that, that nice run they've had, 8-0-1. There's a collection of games where they may have dipped at times, but they figured out what to do and they did it. And, yeah. and I, I certainly would apply that to Wednesday night, would you? Oh, for sure I would. And, you know, the, the key factor for me is you're tied going into uh, the third period and the Leafs pull away. I know that, you know, Corey, Spurry, Corey Perry, excuse me, scored a late goal for the, for the Canadians, but, um, you know, it, it was an interesting win to me. Jack Campbell makes 17 saves in the second period. Uh, gives his, his teammates an opportunity to do something in the third, and that's exactly what happened. The Leafs improved the 9-1-1, Jim, when tied after the third period with that with that win on Wednesday. And that, to me, speaks volumes about where they are as a hockey team right now mentally. Um, and when, when, you, when you're going into the final 20 minutes at an even uh, score with your, your, with your opponent and you're able to, to come out of it on the proper side uh, just so at every time, really one game in that 11 that they haven't had at least one point in. So... It's a, it's a, it's their maturity, but yeah, you're right. The, um, you know, you look back through the streak, and uh, there are some games that were a little bit iffy for them, but they they find a way to do it. I think, uh, I think Calgary, you know, you know, that wasn't the best hockey, but they still won a couple of games, and there was no pushback from the Flames. They're just not a good hockey team, so I don't know if that's really a good measuring stick. But I think going into Winnipeg, who you know, this team that is going to be one of your contenders for that first place overall in division, I think, until the uh, middle of May, um, at least going to beat them twice. That, to me, was quite impressive. And, you know, um, it's not like they played the Ottawa Senators nine times in the past nine games or whatever it is and then won them all. So uh, they just keep plugging along. And, you know, they're healthy right now. I mean, you know, Anderson's really the only injury until the, the Nylander situation propped up. But um, be commended because – the best teams find a way to win games that they quote unquote might not necessarily should win. And that's what the Leafs have been doing. Well, and that's, I think that's how you would describe the Maple Leaf season to date is this team that, that knows what to do and when to do it, a, a team that uh, has, has a really good system and sticks to it. And, and, and I mean, it has a bit of a swagger to it and there's a big enough sample size now of uh, weathering the storm and, and figuring out how to come out of it. I mean, outshot 17 to four in the second period tied at one and, and they win the game in the third period. And the way they win it is 
two goals that, that really typify how they play. The, the Brody goal is the result of zone pressure. They get a break off a skate. Yep. But there's there's some pretty decent pressure there. And the Hyman goal is is, is Austin Matthews on a nice setup. And, and Austin Matthews has emerged. He has returned to where he was before his uh, wrist injury, too. And these are key factors. Yeah, they're huge. Well, it's huge. I mean, now you, you just, you know, you want to see that result coming on the power play for them because yeah. the shot is back, right? But overall, you're right. I mean, I mean, whatever was bothering him with the wrist slash hand earlier on seems to have been uh, fixed now. You know, the one point I should make too, Jim, about the, the Leafs, quote unquote, maybe to determine it right about winning games, maybe they shouldn't. They're not getting killed here. I mean, that, that second period the other night was a bit of an anomaly getting a shot like that. I mean, it's not like they've had to have uh, uh, Jack Campbell come in and save the day for them in, in a lot of these games. They're still playing good hockey overall. Uh, but that second period just happened to be one where they were outplayed and, and he stopped every shot. But you, uh, the one thing I did see, you know, I don't know if it was just, because we're seeing it live again the other night, not being at the games on the road, but I thought there was a lot of good pressure from the third and fourth lines again um, in that game against Montreal. Uh, a lot of good shifts like that. And then you say, you know, it, it leads to the Brody, something like that leads to the Brody goal in the third period, but it's a continuation of what they've been doing and doing well. I mean, this is right. a team that, that that does apply the pressure well in the offensive zone and, and can keep teams hemmed in. You kind of lose count of how many times this year a, line, a Leafs line, no matter which one it is, has kept a, a club uh, uh, hemmed in in the defensive zone. The guys are able to race off one at a time and change, and they're able to keep that pressure going. They've been really good at that. Yes. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a hell of a trait for them, I think, going into the final month here. It is, and that that's uh, to me, that's the sign – that they're all rowing in the same direction or that they're, that they are who they are is when, is when you, you notice the line change actually takes what the line before did and adds to it. And you yeah. can see that. And, and sometimes it'll go on for an entire period where it's almost, I, I've equated it to watching a symphony play where it's all in sync and it, it's really impressive. Well, it is. What do you always hear about the best playoff teams? They can roll four lines. This is exactly what we're talking about. You can roll four lines, and it's just not just throwing four lines over the boards and keep your fingers crossed. It's rolling four lines and, and each line having an impact to a degree, whether they're scoring yeah. or not. You keep a team hemmed in your defensive zone, and, and you tire those people out, and they're coming back over the boards. It's going to lead to things like you say in the third period, where they at least do score twice. And again, they have a score late, whatever, uh, but it, it doesn't have an impact on the game. But Keith's got that ability to roll four lines. And now what I'm really curious about is – if they add now to the forward group, which I think they will to a degree between now and Monday afternoon, how that then influences the people that they have, because you're not, you know, we're not sure about the Nylander situation, but by and large, you have no injuries right now. Yeah. If you're full 12 healthy and you add a guy or two who comes out, right. And how do those yeah. fit in? But I think the, the one thing we should add to Jim, like I know there's Taylor Hall talk. I don't see, I don't think they're in on it. Hall. I don't, I don't think it's a good fit. I really don't because I think there's too much, uh, white noise that would come with Taylor Hall, but you got a guy like Nick Foligno or someone like that. I mean, he just comes in and inserts himself into a lineup and you don't, there are no questions asked uh, with a player of that caliber. So we'll see, but uh, you know, right now they're humming the four lines are, and uh, it's not an issue for Keith as to who plays with who. Yeah. I just want to go back to that Brody goal for a minute, just because sure. this was the, the missing goal uh, in the past. Because this is the, the this goal results from doing the right thing time after time, and the situation creates itself by your pressure. This is something that they just could not do in the past years. They were looking to create the play as opposed to let the play develop because of what they were doing. And I think that's a key point for them. 
Oh, it is. And, you know, like we say, when you're, when you're doing all the work to produce those plays rather than just, you know, like you say, trying to do something superficially and one and done, you're out of the zone. You're again, wearing down the opposition. So your chances of making, getting that to success are going to increase. Also on that goal, Jim, I think we should commend Brody for having, you know, that insight jump in like that and, and score. Cause you know, we haven't, it's not something that he does regularly. I mean, his first goal is a Maple Leaf and all that sort of thing. And you know, the Leafs don't have a ton of goals from the defensive this year, but um when you, like you say, when you apply the impression, when you play like you do on the four check and have the structure on the four check, which is also key, um, as often as it leads to, it's going to lead to plays like that. And, uh, you know, I would expect we'll see more of those types of things. So you were talking earlier about the bottom six. And I think uh, if you if you tracked Simmons, uh, his return is much like Matthews, where by the game, it yeah. gets better. He's about, he's set to emerge here, isn't he? Yeah, he is. You know what? We don't know, but obviously, like, whenever a player comes back, they talk about how difficult it is to get back into the stream of things, especially with a guy like Simmons, who, you know, missed over a month with that wrist injury. And I think it was four games in, Jim. It was right before they went out west on that trip, and he said to us, uh, I'm not playing well. I know it can be better. But he's saying he didn't have the rhythm yet of, of, of being along the boards and getting the puck and all that stuff, having the comfort with the wrist. But he said it was going to come, and it's just a natural progression, and we're seeing that now. I mean, he scores that crazy goal uh, to end the trip uh, and get himself on the scoreboard that way. But, you know, he's just, you know, whether he's scoring or not, you know, that's not really the the issue with Simmons. I think just that he's just, again, being that guy, uh, the net front, the forecheck um, in the offensive zone who can create havoc and really give the opposition something to think about. So when someone else is coming over the boards, like we've discussed, they can add something else to it as well. And, and Simmons, I think, is doing that role well. And I, I think he's, uh, you know, he said again the other night, he's, he's he thinks he's back now. And I would agree with that. He's settling into a groove here. And the Leafs need him to be that. That's why they got him. And I think he would have – it's too bad he did have the injury and, and was out as long as he was uh, because I think we would have seen an even better Wayne Simmons now had he been healthy the whole way through. Okay, so let's just end this on a trade deadline supposition. Uh, when you look at the Leafs, I mean, totally healthy. There's not much you could add to that. I think you want to add depth just in case. But – do they add a forward? Do they add a defenseman? Do they even add a goaltender? What do you think they do? Well, I, first I'll start in that. It's my position. I don't. I don't. I think the Kyle Dubas should stand pat there. Um, they expect Fred Anderson to come back, and for better or for worse, however you want to look at it, they expect him to come back at some point here, and uh, potentially be a factor for them. Jack Campbell is winning hockey games without uh, without uh, practicing. I would assume that he gets back to practice at some point and, uh, you know, continues to make the impact that he has made, um, you know, I guess for insurance. But again, if you what happens to him if you give up an asset of any sort for a goaltender for, and this guy winds up not playing? And then you have to there has to be a guarantee of some sort that he's going to come in and be better than Michael Hutchinson has. I mean, this would be more of a pressing issue, I think, if Hutchinson had struggled this year, but he hasn't. So I don't see I don't see a big a big need to go and get a goalie there. Uh, defense and forward, yeah, for sure. Forward, get a guy if you can. We mentioned Felino. I think he'd be a great addition for them. Obviously, see Nick Paul, Nick or um, uh, Kyle Paul Mary comes off the board the other night. Taylor Hall, I don't see it. Um, and on defense, I mean, you'd love to add a guy like David Savard. I don't think the Leafs are going to be able to do that. But if you get more depth in there, that would work fine as well. Because I think one thing. One issue the Leafs may or may not have with the decor is that is the top six have been great. I think they played really well this year. That third pairing of Dermot Nagosian has been fine. But then there's a drop-off there because you don't have many guys who have played at all. 
you know, you, you, gotta, you can look at San Diego. and go, okay, well, he's ready to step in. Kyle Dubas says he'll come make an, an impact for us uh, in the second half. Well, he's played two games this year. So we talk about players coming back from injury. I mean, he, I don't think you could expect Rasmus Sandin to come in and be that type of player for you right away, no matter what he gets with the Marlins. So depth there is key, I, I think. Having said all this, if, if, if the Leafs wake up on Tuesday morning and Kyle Dubas wasn't able to do anything, is there a sense of panic? No, I don't think so. I think that it's, it's a good hockey team as it's constructed. And uh, I guess the key at that point would be is you hope for no more injuries. But guess what? That goes for every other uh, playoff contender as well. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, totally healthy. There's not much you would add. You could add to this team. Having said that, there is some age in key spots up front. Uh, there might be a defense depth problem. And the only reason I point that out is because, uh, you know, there's a lot of games here to finish off the regular season. And yeah. then you get into that four series tournament called the Stanley Cup. And that can be fairly grueling. I, I just I'd feel a lot more comfortable if they had some insurance somewhere along the way. Well, it's interesting, you know, talking about that, Jim, on the blue line, and Bogosian was that guy for Tampa last year, right, in the yeah. playoff run. So we see how valuable that that player can be, and he's a good example. Um, you know, in a perfect world, if you have a, a really solid seventh guy you could put in at any time here in the next month to give maybe a guy like Bogosian a night off and some rest, yeah, that would be good. So maybe that's the guy they go and find here in the next three days. But uh you know, um, knock on wood, if that top six can stay healthy, um, they're looking good, I think. But again, you need rest for some of these people would be okay too. And I don't think there's any, any issue with that, but they have to go and get that guy. Well, that's another key point. I mean, down the stretch, maybe you want to buy some time for some of your players to get them ready for the playoffs. So you need some bodies to step in. Yeah. You know what? And a guy like, you know, a guy we haven't mentioned, but Joe Thornton, I mean, he, I think he could use the rest. He's got one. Yeah. One assist in past 16 games, he's fallen off. I would think, Jim, if, if uh, they get a forward uh, between now and before the deadline and they're fully healthy going into the playoffs, he's your candidate to be the healthy scratch up front, as unpopular as that might be. But you need your best going forward. And, uh, you know, I don't think Thornton has been that for them in recent in recent weeks. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. But you're right. You you get these guys now, and yes, they're going to have to quarantine and all that, but it's just going to be down to a week. I think you find you're, you'd give yourself an opportunity to give uh, some people a bit of a rest uh, before, you know, May 13th or 14th, whatever it is, uh, game one of the playoffs. Okay. Unfortunately for you, you just created another question because you said the quarantine. Do you think there's any possibility they could deal with somebody like Ottawa to get around that? Possible. Anything's possible. I think any, anything that way would be on the table, certainly, before uh, before uh, Monday. But, you know, whether that would be the deciding factor, like you'd think that Dubas is still going to look at it and go, well, who's the player that can be most effective for us? Right. You know, whether, whether he, as far as quarantine goes, that sort of thing. But uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if that'll be an overbearing issue. But, um, you know, you have to consider, too, how, how eager would uh, – other clubs in the North Division uh, be to uh, deal within the division. I'm not, you know, not so sure how much they would be. But again, thankfully at 301 on Wednesday afternoon, we will know the answers to these questions. Yes, tune Maybe. in at we'll, 301. We'll talk about something else next week. <laughs> Terry, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> And now we go to the Ottawa Senators radio broadcast booth, TSN 1200 in Ottawa. Gord Wilson is the analyst. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. 
Okay, Gord, so another Battle of Ontario Saturday night. I mean, what's with the Sens? They always they have the kryptonite for the Leafs, don't they? They do. The Leafs and Montreal, they seem to have uh, just get up for those kinds of games. It's interesting, Jim, because um, they got up for their last game against Edmonton as well and uh, and still wound up losing it. They probably played their best game of the season against the Oilers, the ninth and final meeting of the year. But, um, yeah, history made last night uh, or on Thursday night with the Oilers uh, scoring a 3-1 win and winning nine in a row over Ottawa. Can you imagine taking 18 of a possible 18 points in a very tight North division? That's what the Oilers did. But you know what? It's onward and upward for Ottawa, and uh, they seem to have that same mojo uh, that they have against Montreal with Toronto, and they're looking forward to tomorrow night's game. I mean, they just, they bring out the worst in the Leafs is the way a Leaf fan would look at it. <laughs> and I don't know exactly why, because it's different people over the years, but, but I mean, this is historic, uh, I guess, much like the Leafs and Habs, those meetings are historic too. doesn't matter who wears the jersey and sometimes you play on one side and then you're on the other side of the equation. Number of ex Leafs, certainly starting with DJ Smith with the Sens. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? He loves these kinds of matchups. Brady Kachuk loves these kind of matchups, even though he's not a Toronto Maple Leaf. Don't think for a second that Connor Brown's not getting up for uh, this next game here. And he's the hottest of all hot Ottawa Senators with uh, six goals in his last six games. But, uh, uh, you know, DJ is one of those guys and he's kind of, I think you guys know him probably a little bit better than we do even. Uh, he's old school. He, he loves the rivalry. He builds that up from within the locker room and uh, uh, certainly makes a big deal out of it. And uh, while it's just another game for a young team that's trying to find its way, um, he is looking at every one of these games, certainly it has been for the last five or six weeks as playoff games. And uh, that's the mindset that he wants his players to be in. He knows that Toronto is going to be a playoff bound team. He knows Edmonton and perhaps Montreal and certainly Winnipeg are playoff bound teams. And he also wants, you know, his players to think they can play the role of spoiler and ruin the, the, uh, the playoff thought process of the Calgary flames or, uh, uh, to a lesser extent, I guess, the Vancouver Canucks. But um, uh, he, he wants his players to go in as if it's going to be a playoff game, and he knows that will be the type of game tomorrow. So give us sort of a, 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 a an indication of what's happening in Ottawa. I mean, if you look at the points, uh, again, in a position maybe to draft first overall, it's hard to say how the lottery could go. But even from the outside, it seems to be much more optimistic, is it? Oh, absolutely. Yes, without question. And we're watching the growth of obviously Brady Kachuk in his third year here. And he's uh, he's at 21 years of age. He has displayed the leadership qualities that are going to turn him into the next captain of the Ottawa Senators. It's a follow me over the cliff kind of mentality with Brady and the players have responded. Um, uh, he's a team first guy, first and foremost. And um, uh, he's the type of player who's going to uh, lead by example, and the Senators certainly, and DJ's that kind of coach as well. He wants players that will lead by example. He'll guide them. He'll let them do what they have to do on the ice. Um, they had a line set up last night of uh, Brady Kachuk at 21 years of age on the left, 21-year-old Josh Norris in the middle, and, uh, well, 26-year-old Nick Paul on the right, but oftentimes there's been a 22-year-old Drake Batherson up there as well. Uh, to go along with 19-year-old Tim Stutzla, they have a very young group here here in a core that is learning together and um, uh, and learning the right way. I think, you know what, there are still lots of warts in this team's game, but the future, and I'm not speaking just because, you know, I've been doing Senator games for 30 years here. It's, uh, you, you can see that the future does look very bright with some of these young players without question.
uh, not to be argumentative, but at some point they're going to have a lot of great young players, and at some point they're going to have to re-sign them. Yeah. And you were sort of there a number of years ago. How do you think that plays out? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, you know what? Good question. Um, uh, the owner has said, has gone on record as saying, uh, there will be continued success when these players continue to get better. So uh, the thought process is these young players, and Brady Kachuk is probably the best example here. He's coming up for a contract renewal. He's at the end of his uh, uh, entry-level deal, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm, I'm guessing the Senators would desperately love to get him long-term. Will he follow the same path as his brother did in Calgary and sign a bridge deal for a couple of years to see exactly what does unfold in the future for this team? Uh, there's no question, though, that, uh, yeah, there are going to be, I won't call them issues right now, but there are going to be um, a lot of scenarios here that will require um, a lot of creative financing, I'm guessing. So let's go to the trade deadline, uh, and I'm going to take two angles, two runs at this. Just overall, what do you think their philosophy is? You've got, uh, I think, five or six guys that are on expiring contracts. What do you think happens? Well, you know what? I think in an ideal world, Pierre Dorian would like to move a few of the older veterans. And I think that was the process or the thought uh, going into this season. We would acquire or they would acquire a couple of older guys like 29-year-old Erica Branson, 35-year-old Braden Coburn, get players like that. They've got 32-year-old Artie Anisimov, who's at the end of his contract with Ottawa. I think the thought was, you know what, we'll go into this season with a lot of young players. We'll play these young players, but at the same time, we're going to need some older veteran players to guide them through. Hence the signing of Derek Stepan, who obviously got hurt and hasn't played and will not play again for the Senators. But their, their thought process, I'm fairly certain, Jim, was uh, get these players through the first three quarters of the season. And then, look, there's 13 games remaining for the, the Senators uh, after April 12th. 14 if you include the night of April 12th. And they do have a game uh, the night of the trade deadline. Um, they're, they're fully expecting and fully aware of um, where they sit as an organization in terms of development, and they want to get the young players playing. They have signed uh, Jacob Bernard Docker out of the UND. They've signed Shane Pinto out of UND. These players have quarantine that ends on Saturday. They're likely going to be in the lineup probably by Wednesday of next week, and uh, they'll be playing probably the majority of games down the stretch, which means some of the older players are going to uh, either be traded or if they can't be moved, they'll just be healthy scratches. That, I think, was the philosophy going in, and I don't see it changing. Now, in an ideal world for Pierre Dorian, he's going to be able to trade some of these players. He could possibly trade Artie and Nisimov. But they, look, at this is a, a last-place team here, or close to the, the bottom five team. Uh, it's going to be difficult with uh, uh, cap structures and salary structures uh, for every NHL team uh, and the budgets being very tight. It's going to be very tough to fit a couple of players in, but there are teams and certainly we've seen in the past that uh, uh, depth can help a long playoff run. And in this COVID era, and we witnessed it in the bubble back in September, uh, this is going to be an extremely difficult Stanley Cup to win. I don't think there's any question about that. Certainly in my mind, Jimmy, um, this is going to be a tough one to win. And the more players you have that have the ability to at least help you, even short term, you know, even for one or two games, if Braden Coburn can get in and stabilize, and if they can get a fifth or a sixth round pick for him, they'll certainly make that move. Okay, so since you opened that door, and since Ottawa is in Ontario and so are the Leafs, 
And because they're both Canadian teams and the close proximity and, and by the way, playing each other on Saturday night, I mean, there might be a deal there somewhere. And, and the, the, uh, the added proviso for Ottawa is enormous cap space. So there's yeah. a way to make anything work for the senators. Do you see this, the, the senators sort of entertaining the Leafs at the trade deadline in any way, shape or form? If Toronto is interested in any one of Ottawa's players, I would say yes. I think uh, Pierre Dorian is willing to uh, look at every possibility here with the 30 other teams in the National Hockey League. And, of course, you have to keep in mind the expansion draft and who you can protect, who you can't protect. Do you want to lose an asset before uh, and get something for it before you lose it for nothing and that potential expansion draft loss? Um, again, though, we're talking about a team that has wallowed around um, – fifth uh, bottom five in the nhl so uh all season long so i i i'm you know with all due respect to all the players in the nhl when you're playing on a team like ottawa that has struggled for the majority of this season you have to wonder how attractive those players are but there are some there's no question about that does the general manager have a willingness to listen to deals that involve some of those attractive players that remains the big question well, let's work out a trade here. I mean, you, you know, yeah. Riley, Riley on your blue line is expiring. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the Leafs are looking at somebody uh, support players in case of injury. What they have, if they're healthy, is fine. But, you know, you need depth. I mean, I don't know what Riley would cost, but that would be attractive, wouldn't it? Absolutely, it would. He's probably the most attractive player uh, on an expiring contract that the Senators do have. And it's interesting because through the first seven or eight games this season, Mike had a horrendous game. He his his game was not good. Um, not just one a horrendous game. His game in total was not very good. Um, since about the seven or eight game mark, he got teamed up with Artem Zub, uh, who the Senators plucked out of the KHL and signed him to a one year contract. And um, he has been probably Ottawa's most stable defensive defenseman since um, coming into the NHL and playing for Ottawa on a regular basis. And he's been teamed up with Mike Riley and it's made Mike's game so much better. And you know what? It's gotten to the point where, uh, and I'm pretty sure I was told last year that uh, Mike would not be part of the future. He's 27 years old. He's, he's making 1.5 this year. You have to wonder how much of a raise he's going to want. But uh, he revealed to us last night that there have been some talks uh, between his agent and the organization regarding a possible contract extension. So he's played himself into a spot where the coach really likes him and more importantly, the coach really trusts him. And Mike did mention as well post game last night that he really loves playing for DJ and why not? He's gone from, I think he was wearing the green jacket back in January at about a minus 11, minus 12. And I think he's hovering around even here now. So he's found his game defensively and he can thank Artem Zub for that. And I think the senators certainly see that as an added bonus. Uh, he's got an offensive flair to him, even, even though he hasn't scored yet this year, Jim, he does at times quarterback Ottawa's power play. The problem is with Mike, um, you know, in terms of wanting to keep him, um, uh, He's 27 and they have a lot of young players coming up and they want to get these young players some playing time. So it'll be interesting definitely to see what does happen. Eric Brandstrom is the young player I'm thinking of um, right. who's 21 years old and needs a place to play here, needs a spot you know, on the roster to play. And um, my guess is along with the Jacob Bernard Dockers and Shane Pintos of the world, he's going to see um, a lot of NHL time here between now and the end of the season. 
I think Mike Riley's an interesting proposition for the Leafs because, uh, you know, his cap hit is low. Uh, you know, it doesn't, there's no guarantee that he would play, but he would be a great insurance policy. So, so, so let me ask you, like, what, what was his pairing with Zub? How did, why did that work? What, what was, what was the deficiency before and what did that fix? You know what? I think Mike tried to do a little bit too much. And I think it's at the start of the season. I'm trying to think here back to um, uh, early or mid January here when the team started, I think Riley was probably paired possibly with uh, Erica Branson. Uh, in any case, he just tried to do too much. And I think Artem Zub has come in and settled the the pairing down in terms of uh, uh, how they communicate on the ice. It's just a very complimentary pair. One complements the other. Uh, and um, there's no there's no one set, one, one real explanation, I think, Jim, for defining this group, this tandem. There's just a chemistry. And sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't. And uh, the two have developed a pretty good chemistry. And um, it's a pairing that you don't want to see broken up. And it's to the point where, uh, you know, there's been some talk about uh, when Thomas Shabbat was struggling and he's been paired all season long with another ex-Leaf and Nikita Zaitsev. Um, there was some talk that maybe... With the struggles of Thomas Shabbat, he should possibly change partners. And why wouldn't you put him with Artem Zub? Well, the coach uh, has said, and he mentioned this the other day, he's probably coached Nikita Zaitsev for every pro game in the NHL that he's yep. had, both in Toronto and both, and, and now Ottawa. Um, he likes the pairing of Zaitsev and Shabbat, but I think he likes even more the pairing of Zub and Riley. So it, it will pose some problems for sure. I wouldn't be surprised either way, Jimmy, if um, if Mike Riley remains an Ottawa Senator and gets extended or if he gets traded and they get something of value for him. I'm, you know, I just, you, you try to play general manager and, and, you know, understanding the situation of COVID and, and the, uh, the quarantine and, and what works. And uh, I think there might be a fit there, but anyway, since we brought up COVID uh, way back when this started, you battled COVID. Can you take us through that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was back uh, mid-March when the Senators were on a California trip. And, and gosh, I just love to travel and I just love trips to California. It was, the <laughs> worst, it was the worst trip I've ever been on. And you know what? Unfortunately for me, I mean, I'm going to cry into a towel here, but um, uh, I had just come off uh, a minor heart attack. And so my health, I had health issues uh. leading into stupid COVID. And um, my immune system was down. I wasn't feeling all that well. And um, uh, and then the California trip came along and uh, I contracted this stupid virus somewhere. I think somewhere along the way. I don't think I got it when I got here because I was feeling pretty run down when I got home. Uh, and it didn't take long, actually, to realize that I better go in for a test. My wife is uh, part of a news team here uh, in Ottawa, and we didn't want anything to affect what was going on with her work. So um, it was a quick decision to self-isolate very quickly. I mean, you become a, a doctor through Google very, very quickly. And um, I got my Ph.D. in that and uh, uh, self-isolated very quickly, got a test. And you know what? It was back when rapid testing was not um, part of the vocabulary. It took me, I think, uh, 11 days before wow. I got the results. Yeah, it was nutty. And um, 
uh, when uh, Ottawa Health called, I giggled when I answered the phone. They said, oh, you're positive. And I said, uh, yeah, I know. And the response was, have you gone through a lot of symptoms? And I said, I've checked off all the boxes here. So, And that was about the time um, that it started to kind of run its course. And I started to feel a little bit better. But you know what's interesting? And I sent my broadcast partner, Dean Brown, a text the other day because I, I lost something in my mind. I just could not think of a word. And I and that I needed to look up an email and um, I had to text him and I said, COVID fog is kicking in here, my friend. What am I looking for as far as a search of my email? And he responded very quickly and it was like a five letter word. I could not think of it for the life of me. <laughs> and it's, and I'll tell you, it's a key word that involves money, okay? My paycheck and, yeah. and I couldn't think of it and it was driving me nuts. So I texted him, I said, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, so I can search my emails, but COVID fog is real. I can tell you that um, it affects people in different ways, which is why, you know, we're thinking of the Vancouver Canucks here and going, my goodness, how are they going to finish the season? Because I'll tell you, Jim, I was, um, uh, well, March, April, I started to feel a little bit better and get a little more energy. By July, I was still having problems taking a deep breath. Problems to the point where I went to my cardiologist and said, uh, I need to figure out what's wrong with my lungs. And uh, they booked what's called a pulmonary function test. Didn't get it until January. And by January, I had started to feel a lot better and was going to cancel it, but decided I'd go through it anyway. And, uh, and everything was fine. So uh, it took me a while and it's, it affects people differently without question. Well, it sounds like that's about a nine-month run with yeah, all the symptoms yeah, and, yeah. And, and the repercussions. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't help that you enjoy wine and a good steak every now and then. And, you, <laughs> you know, you don't take care of yourself as well as you possibly should. But I'll tell you, it's um, it, it, it was tough. And it was tough to motivate. When you can't lift your legs up the stairs, uh, you know, for more than 30 climbs, uh, it, it's tough to motivate yourself. And that was what, what I was going through for a long time. Well, it sounds like pneumonia symptoms. I mean, I had uh, years yeah. ago, I had walking pneumonia and, and my chore for the day was to climb the stairs. And that, yeah. that was it. That's yeah. all I could do. No. And, and you know what? It's interesting because I thought I had walking pneumonia and, and I'd had it before back in the lockout in 2012, coughing up blood and all that stuff. It was not fun. Uh, but this was, this was totally different. This was just a, a heavy chest. And then I, in fact, to the point where I thought it was related to the heart attack, but, uh, um, it, it was COVID related for sure. And, and so you've been tested and all that. I want to ask you the, the last question on the way out about this antibodies. Yeah. So where, where are you with that? Big time. I've got big, strong antibodies. It's interesting because we have a company here in Ottawa, uh, that has been working to develop a, um, a vaccine and, uh, I donated blood to the company. Uh, back in uh, April or May, I guess, of last year. And uh, the, determination, the determination was uh, that I do have very strong antibodies, which is a huge plus. Uh, not a plus enough to not get the vaccine. April 18th is when I'm scheduled to, to get my first vaccination. I'm absolutely taking it. Um, and, not, uh, and, and, you know, just following all the rules here and, uh, and all is good. Um, but yeah, the antibodies are strong. Um, it's interesting because my family, when I was self-isolating with this virus, um, my, I was living with uh, three of my kids and my wife, obviously. So there were four others in the house and um, we have decided to take part in a study with the children's hospital to see how they've responded as well and why they didn't get 
COVID-19. Um, we did a very good job diligently of wiping everything down. I mean, I lived essentially with five people or four other people, but lived by myself. I'd come down in the morning and wipe everything down and have my coffee and wipe everything down again and head back up to a room. So uh, we did our due diligence. And that's actually, you know, what probably the most thing I'm proud of, the fact that nobody else in the family got it. That's that's remarkable, Gord. I really appreciate your time and sharing that story. I mean, that that's something to learn from, that's for sure. Thanks very much. Oh, my pleasure, Jim. Always a pleasure, sir. Last minute of play in this podcast. And once again, there is the time warning from our PA announcer, Mike Ross. Time now for the expected ending to our podcast. Yes, guy, no guy. Let's start it off this way. Austin Matthews, a goal and an assist and a key win over Montreal. Oh, that's an emphatic yes guy. How about Jack Campbell? Ten straight wins, Mr. Unbeatable. That's an oh, yes guy. Zach Hyman, 13 goals contract year. You can hear the cash register in the background. Oh, yes guy. The least power play at a five-on-three opportunity. Nothing. Zip. Unbelievable. No guy. Or a new category. Boo guy. Hope you enjoyed episode 26. Hope you come back for episode 27 Wednesday next week.